right, good morning, church. Stand with us and let's celebrate a holy and a risen Savior. Let's celebrate. Let's sing together. For the work he's doing in our lives, the work he's done in our hearts, Jesus is worthy. Let's sing. I searched the world. i 
years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not, my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me, he died on Calvary. By God's word, at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the My guilty soul imploring turn to Calvary. There your mercy and your grace was free. There your pardon multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty. these things are true, Lord, and we can sing with the saints and with the angels that you are holy and that you are worthy of our praise. So God, I pray that your spirit will be free to work in the hearts and minds of those that are here, those that
that believe, those that are questioning, those that have never heard the gospel. I pray that you would preach it through Pastor Ryan with complete abandonment, with total confidence that the truth would not come back void, and that our hearts would be turned closer to you so that we might sing with the angels, holy, holy, holy are you. Have your way in this service. Have your way in this gathering. Have your way in our lives, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Fall face 
can think of nothing better for us to do now than to pray. Just to, to go before the, the throne of the one who has millions and myriads and myriads of angels falling at his feet, singing out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. We've been walking through with Pastor Brad the, the Lord's Prayer with Jesus in Matthew 6 as he's teaching his disciples how to pray. And we've been trying to model that and, and follow that and say, God, teach us how to pray. And, and Pastor Brad, I think last time, was talking uh, about what it means to, to be hallowed. Lord, hallowed be your name. And today I want to take us a little bit further in Matthew 6, listen, in verses 9 and 10. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus prays, God, Father, uh, your kingdom come, right? Your will be done. And, and I wonder, right, this morning, right, for you this morning, just you personally, whose kingdom have you been pursuing lately? I mean, just, just, just take a moment, right? You can even grab your phone, look, look at your calendar coming up. And hey, I know, it's Thanksgiving this week, right? And, and in a couple weeks, it's going to be Christmas, and then it's going to be New Year's. And, and in between all of that, there are a multitude of events and parties and get-togethers that, that we're going to be running around getting to. Right? It's a busy time. But in the midst of the busyness, whose kingdom are you pursuing? Right? How, how much of your time is preoccupied in, in pursuit of our own little kingdoms and, and, what, and how much of, of what we, we talk about, we think about, these things we're frantically scurrying off to complete, are we seeking our own will or are we seeking God's will? So I want to encourage you just for a moment, just bow your head, just take a moment and ask God now to show you. Just say, God, is there anything in me, anything in my life that's preventing me from pursuing your kingdom? Anything that's preventing me from pursuing your will for my life? Ask him right now, say, God, em empower me 
to seek your will, to seek your kingdom. God, strip away everything that gets in the way of what you desire to accomplish in me and fix my eyes on you. Take a moment and do that now. God, we are honored and humbled to be in your presence this morning. God, we thank you that we get a chance to meet with you. God, we thank you that, that you're here amongst us, that your spirit is working and moving in our hearts and our minds. God, I pray that you would fix our eyes on you. God, that we would, along with the angels, shout out and declare this morning, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. That we would join in the heavenly anthem, God, that you would, you would fix our eyes on you and take them away from the things of this world. And God, we would desire truly to see your will be done, your kingdom come. I ask if there's anything in this room, anything in our lives outside of here, God, that you would remove it. That you would remove any distractions. And that you would make much of yourself this morning. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Uh, I'm not Pastor Brad. <laughs> I am uh, Pastor Ryan. I'm one of the student pastor here at Southview, so excited to get to bring God's Word to you. And uh, we have been walking through the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. And, uh, and as you're turning there, I wonder, has, um, has anybody ever run out of gas before? Yeah, okay, I got a couple people willing to share that raise their hands. Okay, so um, uh, I, I've unfortunately run out of gas um, more than I'm proud of. It's, uh, it's, I, I don't think I can raise my hand. It's, it's, it's happened too frequently, so there's something I'm, I'm working on. I'm, I'm improving, but um, there's one, and the thing is it's happened in a variety of ways. Right? It's not just happened once or twice. It's, it's happened multiple times in a multitude of ways. Uh, but there's one time that this was about to happen that will forever be ingrained in my mind. So um, my wife Emily and I, we were up in Cleveland, which is where we were before God uh, called us down here to Southview. And there was a time when I was up in Cleveland where I was selling vacuums door to door. So it was a, a lovely chapter. I love to revisit that one. But um, uh, I was, uh, and, and at this moment, I was about an hour and a half outside of Cleveland. I had gone into this backwoods podunk trailer park and and again I, I'm not hating on trailer parks all right don't get it twisted I've i I know there's nice trailer parks I've stayed in nice trailer parks but this was a trailer park all right y'all with me y'all tracking so uh so we're up here and I'm in this trailer park and and I'm I'm going to the guy's trailer and I'm giving a demonstration about the vacuum and I come out I go back to my car reach around for my keys uh-oh and, th and then all of a sudden, my, my ears start to tune in, and I hear it. The car's running. Well, that's not good. That's not supposed to happen. Try to open. Oh, come on. I had locked the keys in the car 
with the engine running an hour and a half away from home in a trailer park. All right, this was not a good situation. And so, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm looking around, I'm just kind of confused, and the guy comes out of his trailer, he looks at me, and then he just shouts out, Jet! I'm saying, Jet! And this guy, I kid you not, this guy comes running out from behind the trailer next to him, and he, I mean, he's full, he's tatted up, bandana, do-rag, he comes over to me, looks at the car, he doesn't speak, all right, he grunts, I, I just, and then uh, runs away, comes back a few seconds later with a big black rod, and I'm like, oh, it's over, all right, it's, 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 I'm done, and then in about two seconds, he pops my door open, and I'm like, okay, Jet, you've, I, I'm just going to assume you've done this before, okay, and, uh, and so, uh, I, anyways, I get in the car, and I get out of there, and thankfully, this was one time where God provided, and I, I did not run out of gas, but as I was reflecting on that moment, right, that was my fear, right? My fear, my worry was that I was going to run out of gas, and I just was kind of thinking about that, like, why, why is that such a fearful thing? Why was I so concerned about that? What is, what's, what's the problem with running out of gas? I mean, aside from the fact that I was literally just burning away money, right, just sitting there watching the engine run, that's, gas isn't cheap, that wasn't a fun experience, I'm selling vacuums door to door, so okay, you're tracking, so that wasn't good, but aside from that, without gas, what was the issue? Well, the issue was I was stranded, right, without gas, you could not move forward, right, I might have been able to get into the vehicle, I might have been able to sit down and, and move the steering wheel, but without gas, you are powerless to get the car back on the road. And what I believe this morning that God wants to show us in his word is that uh, there are a lot of us who are trying to live the Christian life with empty gas tanks. We're on the road. We're sitting in the driver's seat. We've got the hand on the wheel, but we're not going anywhere. So before we get into the passage, I want to Direct your attention to the screen. We're going to walk through our definition of the gospel together. We've been doing this every week. And simply, we want to all be on the same page so that when we say gospel, when you hear gospel, we all understand what we mean by it. So if you would, please just repeat with me out loud. We'll read through this. The gospel is right standing with God that was bought by Jesus on the cross, and it is enjoyed only by faith in his work. Anything added to the gospel ruins it, and you miss Jesus. I think I did pretty good following Brad's cadence there. Right. Y'all did good. Y'all did better. Y'all were on track with it. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, here we are. We got the gospel. Now, Galatians 5. Galatians 5, we're going to start in verse 16. If you're with me, say word. All right. All right. Let's get into it. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. 
I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The first truth I, I, want, I believe God wants us to hear from his word this morning is this. The Spirit is at war with the flesh. The spirit is at war with the flesh. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And so as we walk through this passage this morning, we need to keep two key words in mind. Okay? There's going to be two key words we're going to use over and over again, and that is one, the spirit, and two, the flesh. And so when we, anytime you hear the word spirit, you see that, understand this is in reference to the Holy Spirit. And then when we see that word flesh, it's not just talking about our human bodies, but more so our human desires and tendencies. And what Paul is saying is that there are things that the Spirit of God desires, and there are things that we as humans desire, and these are opposed to one another. They're against each other. And again, don't miss the fact of who Paul is speaking to here, right? Paul's speaking to brothers. He's speaking to those who earlier in Galatians 5 have been set free by Christ, right? Those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying to believers, he says, hey, hey, listen, right? In your life, in the life of a believer, there is an ongoing, continual tension between what you want and what God wants. So, so stop for just a second and consider, are you aware that you're in the middle of a war? You know, we, we, we live in the largest, uh, we live right next to the largest military base in the world. Uh, many of you are currently serving or have served uh, in our country's military. And, uh, and, and I would say that we're probably well acquainted with the term combat readiness, right? Operational readiness, right? That, that your unit is prepared, your equipment is prepared, your body is conditioned and prepared for what? For battle. Because you never know when you may be called upon. I, I remember just a couple months ago during the summer, Bragg, uh, things around Bragg were heightening um, be, because of what was happening in the Middle East. Uh, I can only imagine what was happening 20 years ago here uh, after 9-11, right? Why? Because in those moments, war and battle, they, they were imminent, right? They weren't just possible, but they were probable. And, and in that realization, right, things hit different, right? People think differently. Uh, people plan differently. They prepare differently. And what God wants us to understand this morning is that war is imminent. It's not possible it's probable. And we're not just caught inside of a war, but the war is inside of us. 
You see, I, I think most of us are pretty good at detecting spiritual warfare that happens outside of us. Right? I mean, we see darkness and sin in our country, and we know we're in a war. Right? You can turn on the news, and you can see the darkness of drug addiction and, and the rise of child sex trafficking, and we can say that we're in a war. We can look at the city of Fayetteville and, and know that we've reached a record high for murders, and we can see increasing disunity and division across our country, and we can understand and say, hey, we're in a war. However, oftentimes we are unaware of the internal war, the battle that takes place every second of every day. And as I'm sure our military personnel can attest, it's generally the unseen enemy who inflicts the most damage. We're blind to our own struggle. And God is telling us today, wake up, right? Wake up, you're in a war. Well, where are they, God? Who, who, who are they? Where's the enemy? It's you. It, it's, it's you. It's your flesh. It's your wants and your desires versus the spirit of God's wants and desires for your life. Every decision of every day, we are either choosing in accordance with the spirit of God in our lives, or we're making decisions in accordance to our own wants and desires. And in our natural state, these two don't line up. Right? They're against one another. So, this, so again, the, the, the question, right? Qu the first question we really got to ask ourselves is, is, are you aware of that? Right? Do, are you aware that you are in a war? If you could visibly see the warfare taking place this morning, right? If you could visibly see the warfare that's going on internally in your life, how would that change you? What would you change if you could see it, right? How would your priorities change? How, how would your, your, your prayers change? How would your, your conversations and your recreational time change? What does God desire for you to do today to maintain spiritual combat readiness? Because the spirit is at war with the flesh. But second, second, the spirit's not just at war with the flesh, but get this, the spirit brings victory over the flesh. Look at verse 16. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All right, good, good. So you, you're, you're listening, you're not asleep yet, you, you've realized, all right, I'm in a war. So next logical question, how do I win? Right? If I'm in a battle, if there's, if there's an engagement happening, how do we succeed? What, how is victory achieved? And the amazing part is that, that God's already given us the answer. Right? He, sa he tells us in verse 17 that there's this war going on inside of us, right? that our flesh is fighting against the spirit. But if we step back into verse 16, he's already said, hey, hey, listen, um, here's, here's how you can have victory. Here's how you can resist the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Verse 16, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And, and I love that Paul uses the word walk here. Right? It kind of gives us the picture that um, this, this is a step-by-step -step process. Right? You're, you're not going to sprint into alignment with God's desires for your life. Right? It's a step-by-step, day-by-day process of walking alongside Jesus. That word walk is fi figuratively translated as, as live, 
right? You could read verse 16 as, as live by the Spirit. And ultimately, we, we only have two options, right? We, we are either living by the Spirit or we're living by our flesh. Verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Right? Remember, go back a week or two ago, Pastor Brad was talking about in Galatians 5.1, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Right? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. This means not only have we been, not only have we been freed from slavery to sin in Christ, but we've also been delivered into freedom. Right? We've, we've not just been freed from something, but we've been freed for something. That we should walk in freedom in Christ. Freedom from slavery to legalism. Freedom from the works of the flesh. Freedom from any attempt to add to the gospel. Those who walk in the spirit, they're not under the law. They're under grace. See, it's it's the empowering work of the spirit of God that enables us to to walk in accordance to God's desires. And it's the empowering spirit of, of God that enables us and frees us from our own wants and our own desires. In verse 17, Paul says the spirit and the flesh are at war. They're opposed to one another. And that's, that's so that it can keep you from doing the things you want to do. Again, don't, don't miss that. Because what Paul's saying is that the desires and the activities of the flesh... You want to do those things, right? I want to do those things. These aren't, this isn't the, the, um, the off-brand Oreos. What are those called? Hydrox or whatever you know. This is the real Oreo. You, you want this thing, right? Uh, and, and so, so he says to them, like, these things are at war with each other so that you won't do them. And what he's telling us is that God's spirit is already fighting for you. God's spirit is already fighting to keep us from living in our flesh. And what God wants you and needs you to know this morning is that the spirit will bring victory over the flesh. So, so how do I do this, right? How, how do I know if I'm walking in the spirit of the flesh, right? Okay, if I want to have victory, if I'm in a war, and, and, and I want to have victory over this, and I, in order to do that, I need to walk by the spirit, then how do I know if I'm walking in the spirit or not? I'm glad you asked, because Paul is about to give us, uh, tell us exactly how we can know just that. And it comes down to, to simply this. Paul, Paul wants you to ask the question, what kind of fruit's being produced in your life? What kind of fruit is being produced in your life? Are, are you seeing the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? Look at verse 19. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul says if you want to know if you've been walking in the flesh, then let's take a look at the fruit in your life. And it's interesting because I think as we look at this list, most of us, I mean, if you're like me, most of us are kind of tempted to think, oh, that, that's the really bad people, right? Like, like here's, here's this list, and Paul puts them in, and here, here's the really bad people over here. But Paul is speaking to believers, and he says that these are the works of your flesh, 
right? These are the things that you want to do that the Spirit of God is working to keep you from doing. It's not a list for really bad people. It's a list for struggling Christians who are prone to not walking in the Spirit. And Paul starts off this list with a, with a trio. He says sexual morality, impurity, and sensuality. And sexual morality can be all, all, all manners of things. It can be a host of things. He's talking about adultery, sex outside of marriage, pornography. Uh, impurity is also translated as unclean. Right? It references impure thoughts and lusts. Sensuality is translated as shamelessness. Right? This unbridled, unrestrained lust. Right? You're not just sleeping with a different woman than your wife, but you've invited her to Thanksgiving. Right? It's, it's shameless. Then it goes on, uh, idolatry. Right? Uh, I think the best definition I've heard of idolatry is this. It's worshiping anything else besides God. Worshiping anything else besides God. We, we, we kind of have in our minds when we think of idolatry this picture of bowing down and, and kissing statues. And, and while that's real and true, and I've seen that in other parts of the world, um, we worship something when we give it more worth than we do God. And so we think about how, how do we give things worth? Well, we give things worth, we value them by, by, by giving them time, right? By thinking about them, by, by talking about them, by spending money on them. That, that's generally how we show something's worth. So when we, find, when we find something in our life that is receiving more worth than God, you found your idol. He says idolatry. Um, he goes on as worshiping anything besides God. And he says witchcraft. Right? Witchcraft. This is something closely associated with idolatry in the Bible. Um, many idolatrous practices involved witchcraft. And, and, and to be fair, there is a, um, an unhealthy fascination with the occult in our culture. And I'm, I'm not talking about Harry Potter. But I mean, there are literal people who would identify as witches. Now, this is real and true, and this is a clear condemnation of all practices. But what I want you to see is that the, at the heart of witchcraft is a desire to look to a different power than God to accomplish your goals. King Saul was condemned by, by God for visiting the witch of Endor. But Saul was going to her because he wanted to speak to Samuel's spirit and receive advice about his battle with the Philistines. He was seeking another power besides God. But the only other power on earth besides God is Satan. And that's only because God gave him some power. So therefore, anything in our lives that, that seeks to bypass God and accomplish something in and of its own self is inherently demonic. Then Paul lists off a, a flurry of things. Right? It says enmity, also known as hatred. Strife, translated contentious or self-promoting. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. Envy is different than jealousy, right? Envy is, it's not just that you have something that I want, but envy is you have something that you want, and because I don't have it, now I don't like you. Right? Now I am filled with ill will towards you. I'm spiteful towards you. And do you know what all these things have in common? They cause division. And Paul finishes with two more, drunkenness and orgies, both of these which are rooted in a desire to seek satisfaction and contentment from anything outside of God. 
Paul says these are the works of the flesh, right? They're evident, they're obvious. You know them when you see them. So a test for us. What fruit are you producing? Are you seeing the fruit of sexual morality in your life? Lust, pornography, you're walking in the flesh. Is there an idol in your life? Are you worshiping something other than God? Is something controlling and consuming all of your thoughts, your time, your energy? Are you looking to something else besides God to help you accomplish your goals? You're walking in the flesh. Do you find yourself filled with hate towards certain people? Are you quick to anger, ready to argue? There's a thousand different things in our culture that can create division. Have you allowed your opinion and stances on certain things to create unnecessary stumbling blocks between you and others? Do you sometimes find yourself bearing ill will towards those who don't share your opinion? Are you just filled with spite? You're walking in the flesh. Do you find yourself running to alcohol, drugs, substance abuse, women, anything to find some type of satisfaction or contentment outside of God? You're walking in the flesh. Paul says, look at your fruit. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if we find ourselves producing the fruit of, our fl of the flesh in our lives, then we can be sure that we're not walking in the Spirit. Did you find yourself on that list? Have you been walking in the flesh? I want to ask you, what, what's your attitude towards sin in your life? Right, what, how, what, what, what's your relationship with sin in your life? Because Paul says something profound in verse 24. In verse 24, Paul says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Paul says that, that he has crucified his flesh, this world, these earthly passions and desires. And as I just want to, want to think about that. What does it mean to crucify? Right? A lot of us, we, we've grown up in church maybe. We've heard about Jesus dying on the cross a thousand times. But do we really understand what that meant? But if you want to know what Paul means when he's saying that his flesh has been crucified, then we really need to understand what it means to be crucified. What is crucifixion? And again, while, while today for us it, it might be a, a symbol of hope and faith, right? A cute little thing to put on a necklace or a bumper sticker. In Paul's day, the cross was a symbol of death. Crucifixion was the most cruel and agonizing means of execution ever devised. It was designed and refined to kill by the Romans, and not just to kill, right? To kill was too simple, right? They wanted the cross to degrade and humiliate. I mean, uh, imagine hanging, whipped, naked on a cross with spikes and arms and your legs while everyone walked by you and spat at you and cursed you. Right? We don't have any equivalent in our society today to relate to. And, and the Romans, the ones who, who perfected crucifixion, they decided that this was too terrible a fate for a Roman citizen to endure. So even the worst criminals of Rome would not be submitted to crucifixion. It was a horrible event. Immense pain and suffering that Jesus endured for us. And yet Paul now says 
that this is what he has done to the flesh. Right? He says, he says, yes, world, you may have crucified Jesus, but now through Jesus, I have crucified you. Paul says, take, take everything. Take the treasures of this world. Take the wealth. Take the power. Take the accolades, the achievements. Take, take the works and the praise of man, the, the pleasures of the flesh. Take all of them and strip them and beat them and nail them bloody to a cross and look up at them and despise them and spit on them and curse them. Stop trying to see how close you can get to sin. Stop compromising for sinful desires. Stop pandering to your flesh. Crucify it. Because the truth is you either crucify it or you gratify it. So don't treasure the things of this world. You've crucified them. They're dead to you. Treasure Jesus. Okay, this has been a lot, Ryan. You're, you're coming down hard. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe you're listening, you're hearing, you've been walking in the flesh. All right, I'm hearing you. What now? Here's the good news. Here's the good news. The Spirit of God brings victory over your flesh. The Spirit of God is at work in your life. It is at war with your flesh to keep you from doing the things you want to do so that even when you have no desire to live out what God desires, the Spirit is working in you to bring it about anyways. It is the Spirit that brings victory. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Jesus says in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The only way you can resist the desire of your flesh is to walk by the Spirit. So here's the million dollar question, how do I do that? You said walk by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. How do I walk by the Spirit? By running to Jesus. The Christian life is not a life of independence, but dependence. You see, at salvation, if you can think back to the moment when you turned to the Lord, when God convicted of you, you of your sin, and you, and you repented and, and fell at your feet before him, we come to Christ desperate and needy and broken, completely dependent upon God. And what happens is that somewhere along the way, we leave that. And we start to think we're good now. Right? I've got this. But the whole point of the Christian faith, the whole point of faith in Christ is that you don't got this. Right? We, we, we come to Christ desperately dependent on him and God desires for us to stay there. As you mature as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you don't need God lest you only realize how much more you need him. To walk by the Spirit means to become fully reliant and dependent upon God each and every single day. It means you wake up and you cry out, God, help me. God, em empower me to walk like you today. And I promise you, the day you wake up and you don't cry that out is probably the day you spend walking in the flesh. What you need to know is this, this has tremendous application for how we handle temptation in our lives. Right? If you're a guy here, if you're a guy and you struggle with pornography and, 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 and you're going, man, I, I, I hate this. I know this is wrong. I, I know I shouldn't do this, but I keep finding myself running back to it. The answer is not that you need a better book. You don't need a different accountability partner. You don't need a new web filter. You need Jesus. 
right? Those are all good and powerful and helpful tools, but they are powerless apart from the work of the Spirit in your life. They have no ability to bring transformation. And what you need to know is the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian is the gasoline. The Spirit is what allows you to move forward. The Spirit is what empowers you to choose God's desires over your own. Right? This isn't do better, be better religion. That's slavery. That's legalism. This is I can't, but Jesus, you can. And when our hearts are postured before Jesus in humility and dependence, his Spirit empowers us to live for him. The Spirit brings victory over the flesh. And lastly, lastly, our third point. The Spirit produces godly transformation in our lives. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, the Spirit not only empowers us to resist our fleshly desires, but the Spirit produces good, godly fruit in our lives. Right? Just think, as you listen to the fruits of the Spirit being read, um, were there any of them that you found that you've been lacking in? Maybe love. Maybe you haven't been, you've been withholding towards certain people. Maybe it's peace, right? Just living in fear and anxiety. Maybe it's, it's, it's patience and life is just frustrating and kids are, are going crazy. Maybe it's self-control. If you've identified any area that you're lacking, then what you've also identified is an area that God desires to grow you in. And the amazing part is that God is the one who brings the fruit, it is the fruit of the Spirit. John 15, 5, Jesus says, apart from me you can do nothing. And then in 15, 16, he says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Jesus has appointed that you should bear fruit. Ephesians 2 says that you were created for good works. Philippians 1 says that he who started a good work in you is faithful, he will complete it. You see, the Spirit, the Spirit bears out fruit in our lives. It transforms us and molds us more and more into the image of Jesus. And so if God's revealing an area to you right now where you personally need to grow, then the solution is simple. Ask for it. Ask for it. God, I've not been walking in peace God, please, uh, I've been living in fear and anxiety. God, please, please, my heart is prone to, to, to doubt. God, empower me to walk in peace today. God, please, please, would you bear out peace in my life? Ask your Father for what you need, and he'll give it to you. It's the simplest yet hardest thing in the world because it requires a laying down of your pride and an admittance of your complete and utter dependence on God. But as we do that, right, as we do that, the Spirit works in our lives and it produces fruits. And we experience godly transformation, right? We're not who we were a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. Why? 
because of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that, that each of us, as we behold the glory of God, are being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. Slowly but surely, we're becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And that happens as we look to Jesus and we trust in Jesus and we become more dependent on Jesus. Walk by the Spirit. Verse 26 says, keep in step with the Spirit. You know, our, our youngest son, um, his name... Shepherd, our youngest son, Shepherd, he, he just started walking this week. Um, he's, uh, it, it's, it's cool, it, it's really cool. I mean, he's, he's been standing up, holding on to the couch, but he, he, he just started walking across the room uh, this past week. And, and you know, if, if, you've been, if you've been there, you've seen it, uh, that, that when a child first starts walking, there's, there's phases. Right? I mean, first it's, okay, let's, let's learn to stand up. Right? Then, okay, let's, let's try standing up without holding on to something. And, you know, they, they kind of, their legs are, their knees are kind of shaky. They kind of wobble. They don't have their balance. All right, well, let's, 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 let's take one step. Right? Maybe let's take one step without holding on to something. And then they fall down because their heads are too big and they're top heavy. Right? But they, they take one step. And then, and then they, they go two steps. And then maybe, maybe six steps, walking like a penguin, right? But eventually, you look up, and what's happening? They're walking. And so when my wife Emily and I, and we saw our son Shepard first start to walk, and he took a couple steps, a couple shaky steps, and he, and he fell down. Do you think I looked at him and I said, what are you doing, idiot? Right? Get up. Just, just walk. No. No, we, we looked at him and we said, look, look, our son, he's walking. And, what, and church, what I need you to understand is that that is what your heavenly father says to you right now this morning. He's not counting your failures and mistakes. He's not looking at your shaky legs. He's not waiting for you to fall. He's shouting, look. My son, my daughter, they're walking. Proverbs 24, 16 says the righteous fall seven times and rises again. Are they perfect? No. Do they still stumble and fall? Yes, but they're walking. Are you walking this morning? Are you walking in the spirit? Are you fully dependent upon God? Or are you driving an empty tank? Pray for us. God, I ask right now, Lord, that we would be obedient to what you're calling us to do. Lord, if there's anyone here who needs to repent of sin, that they've been living and walking in the flesh, God, I pray that you would lead them to repentance, that they would turn from sin. And that they, they would turn to you, that they would embrace you as the prodigal, as, as the father embraced the prodigal son, that Lord, that they would run to you and, and welcome your embrace, Lord. I pray that you would do that in them now, Lord. If there's those, God, who need to speak to others after this, they need to right some wrongs. God, those who have just been living in, in self-sufficiency and independence, God, I pray that you would bring them into a point where they are completely dependent upon you. Would they turn from idolatry of self and fall in worship of you? 
I just pray that you would work and move amongst us and that we'd be obedient to what you call us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You guys can stand. The last song that we sing is called The Blessing. And my hope for you and for me is that we will sing this over each other, right? That we will sing God's blessings to our wives, to our husbands, our sons and daughters, to our friends. And as we walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit produces fruit in our lives, that we can truly say, God, have your way in my life. Transform me. Change me. Save me. Set me free, Lord, for your great pleasure that we would find our joy completely and totally in Christ, in Christ alone. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon me gracious to you.
for worshiping with us this morning. Got a couple announcements for you. Um, the Ladies of Grace Christmas Brunch happening December 11th. They're, it's at a 10 o'clock in the morning. They're selling tickets for it right now. If you exit this way to the nursery hall, there's a table. It's $15 a ticket, so go, feel free to go and purchase those. Uh, we're also taking poinsettia orders um, at the welcome desk immediately right out there. We're going to try to decorate our stage for Christmas, so if you're interested in placing an order for the poinsettias, head back there. Um, also, we have our Christmas decorating party, kind of help put up some things around the, uh, the church, bring some, some Christmas spirit. That's going to happen uh, here December 3rd at 6.30, and if you want to uh, help with that, text the word PARTY. P-A-R-T-Y to our church number 910-424-1298. Text the word party for the decorating party. Um, guests or visitors, if that's you, welcome. Sorry it was me today, but glad to see you. Um, but uh, it, it, we, if you're here, you're a guest or visitor, we really would love to get to know you. We would love to connect with you. And so if you could please just do us a small service and just text the word connect to our church number 910-424-1298. And then also, if you're interested in giving and supporting what God's doing here, we have lock boxes by the doors you could drop off. We, you can give online through the church website or through our church app. Uh, again, just so thankful to be with you all this morning and, and just glad we, we were able to worship together. Uh, just as you leave, uh, man, go and walk in the spirits. Go and walk and live in what God desires for you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. I love you guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 